Hello everybody, welcome to Be Fit and Strong Podcast, where we'll talk about muscle growth, fat loss, and healthy lifestyle. My name is Mirza and welcome to the fourth episode where I'll explain you how to lose fat, get ripped, fastest way possible. I'll break it down for you guys in simple steps and explain you the best rate for fat loss without losing any muscle mass. So let's get started. Before we dig in, I just want to explain you that fat loss does not really equal weight loss. With fat loss, we're primarily concerned with losing adipose tissue or fat with no muscle loss. Weight loss, on the other hand, is just a total weight loss over a period of time, and it's usually a combination of both fat mass and muscle mass. I've had many clients with near-perfect body recomposition where they would keep the same weight for many months. A lot of coaches would misinterpret this for no progress. However, with drastic visual difference, it is a proof that in certain cases, you can build muscle at the same rate that you lose fat. The result, same weight and a completely different look. Now that we differentiated the two, I will discuss and focus on fat loss and how to maximize it without losing any size, any muscle tissue to get a very lean looking physique with very clear abs. So the step number one, assess your current situation. In order to know where to start, you need to assess your current situation by estimating your body fat percentage. You have to be very careful with this. Sometimes a lot of people actually underestimate their body fat levels by around 10% on average. For example, if you ask most of the guys about their body fat percentage, the most common answer we'll get is 10 to 15%. Everybody is 15%. Well, most likely they're above 20%. You may wonder why is this even important? Well, the answer is quite simple. Current body composition will determine the guidelines for how fast you can lose weight and lose fat. So this is something that we'll discuss in detail in the step number two, where I'll break it down for you in detail. But how do we know what body fat percentage we're currently at, you may wonder? Well, there are a few different techniques that you can use, like visual estimation and the body fat calipers that are less accurate, also more accurate techniques like DEXA scan. If you're going by a visual estimation, I would recommend you to be very, very conservative with your estimate and always estimate it slightly higher if you're unsure. So the step number two, find the sweet spot for the caloric deficit. Now to lose weight, obviously we need to be in a caloric deficit. Everybody knows that by now. This will force your body to use energy stores that are stored in your fat tissue at various different places in your body, of course. The only issue with this is that your body doesn't like this idea as it prefers to keep energy storage for survival for the rainy days. This is why setting an optimal caloric deficit is important. If you're already lean, an excessive caloric deficit will cause your hormones like thyroid hormone, growth hormone, insulin, and IGF-1 all take nosedive, which will slow down your metabolism quite significantly. Uh, This is basically a defensive mechanism to help you preserve as much energy as possible while increasing the efficiency of energy consumption. On top of all of this, cortisol, adrenaline, and noradrenaline will spike up. This is not really an ideal situation for muscle growth. Actually, not at all. This is why it can be very easy to lose muscle mass during a cut if you do not find a sweet spot. Now, in order to avoid unnecessary muscle loss, the stimulus for muscle growth just needs to be higher and sufficient enough not to catabolize it. Another important point for fat loss is that excessively large deficits do not necessarily result in significantly greater fat loss. 
For example, studies comparing a moderate 25% caloric deficit, which is really average uh, and mostly recommended by many dietitians, dietitians and nutritionists, compared to, let's say, very high deficits, where an energy intake is just 800 calories per day, showed more total weight loss in favor, of course, of 800 calorie diet, but the muscle to fat ratio was really poor. Plus, the fat loss was not proportional with the deficit difference at all. Basically, what this means is that there's significant diminishing returns when it comes to lowering your calories drastically. For example, studies that compared six months diets where participants consumed 800 calories in one group, 660 in another group, and 420 calories in the third group per day didn't show any difference in the total weight loss over time. And this is quite drastic because difference between 800 and 420 is almost 50%. Yet, at the end of the six months, they both, both groups lost the same amount of weight in terms of the percentage. How is this even possible? Well, there are other factors that your body uses, like your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, your NEAT, that can save a lot of energy over time. Your body is basically trying to reduce your activity during the day, becoming more efficient and preserving the energy because it's thinking that it's starving to death. So how do we find this spot? Well, there are a few considerations that we need to make before finding an optimal deficit. The main determinant of how quickly you can lose fat is your body fat percentage. The higher it is, the quicker you can lose fat without losing any muscle, of course. But this also means that you can start with a higher deficit if you're on the higher body fat percentage side. Usually, upper limit that I recommend is 50%. And this is for very obese individuals. Anybody that's classified as, for men, above 30% body fat and for women, above 40% body fat. Obese individuals should aim for the quickest fat loss and shouldn't really have a limit or a cap when it comes to their weight loss rate per week or per month. There's basically no concern for muscle loss in this category, even without any resistance training. As we move down to the overweight individuals, basically the second group from the top, which is for men anything higher than 20% body fat and for women higher than 33% body fat, caloric deficit should be at least 30% with an upper limit of 50%. Okay, so after this, we go down even lower to a more leaner group, men between 15 and 20% and women between 24 and 32%. A recommended deficit should be between 20 and 40%. So basically to sum it up, the more fat you have, the higher your initial deficit should be. As you get leaner and leaner, the size of the caloric deficit should become smaller and smaller to avoid any muscle loss. All right, step number three, get your sleep in order. It's probably one of the most overlooked factors when it comes to losing fat and building muscle. Sleep is one of the main pillars for not only getting in shape, but for your overall health, well-being and cognitive performance. It is precisely because people underestimate the effects of stress and sleep that they simply overlook it. And once they realize they're stuck with their progress, they'll quickly blame genetics, wrong programs, food options testosterone levels, they'll start to look for some secrets online that'll help them break the weight loss plateau or muscle growth plateau. But what is often the case is that simply they're sleep deprived or the quality of sleep is not good enough or perhaps they're going through a very stressful period of their life. Sleep deprivation and chronic stress can have a chain effect over the long term. It is like a ripple effect that slowly but surely affects other small decisions throughout the day, resulting in bigger and bigger negative effects over time, simply because it adds up. I'll give you an example. Imagine you sleep only five hours every day and you're trying to catch up with sleep over the weekend. 
it's a typical scenario for most people. Even I did this myself when I had a corporate job. Research showed us that sleep deprivation of only three hours causes an increase in appetite by 20% the following day. So practically your entire caloric deficit if you're trying to lose fat. On top of that, it decreases your basal metabolic rate by up to 8% and it decreases your well-being on top of that. The last one is quite important because it makes you feel miserable. And I promise you, if you feel miserable, everything else will feel miserable, especially dieting, since it can take a lot of efforts for some people, specifically beginners, to follow the diet and be on point. If they feel miserable because of lack of sleep, they'll most likely sooner or later start making bad decisions when it comes to food options. To offset this feeling of feeling miserable, a common practice is to turn to comfort food and snacking during the day. This is also true when it comes to high stress. So if you sleep five hours, not only will your hunger shoot up the following day, but psychologically, you might find yourself very easy turning to comfort food and snacking just to increase your well-being. As a result, caloric deficit is completely wiped out and even worse, a lot of people feel guilty after that, creating a very negative downward spiral. Why does sleep have such a huge impact on how much fat and muscle we lose or gain? Well, let me demonstrate you how important your sleep is. Let's start with the effect of sleep deprivation. This is what we have so far from the research. Number one, a study done by Wang et al. in 2018 showed that sleeping 40 minutes less during midweek shifted the ratio of lean to fat mass loss from 20% lean mass to 80% lean mass loss. Another important point on this one is that participants were allowed to catch up on sleep during weekends. Still didn't help. Number two, increased appetite by up to 20%, which is already we discussed about it. Number three, decreased testosterone production by up to 18%. Number four, increased insulin resistance. And number five, decreased well-being and cognitive functioning. This should be more than enough to demonstrate you the importance of sleep. And even without knowing this, you know how you feel when you don't get enough sleep. There's simply a reason for that. Now, lack of sleep is not the only problem here. Sleep quality is just as important. Without going into too much details, you want to spend as more time as possible in deep sleep and less time spending in stage 1, 2 and REM sleep. Now, the interesting thing about this is that if you ask most people about their sleep quality, they'll say it's good. However, subjective sleep quality does not reflect objective sleep quality, especially during high levels of sleep deprivation. And chronic sleep deprivation is the worst, also the most common by the way. If you're working, let's say, 9 to 5 and you don't go to bed on time, it's very easy not to get enough sleep every day. And what happens is that you sleep on average, let's say, 5-6 hours every day, and this leads to chronic sleep deprivation. You might not even notice any negative effects because it's a very subtle change, it's not a drastic change, and human brain is less sensitive to that. However, negative effects just creep in and they're just as bad. To give you an example, there was a study comparing two groups. It's a very interesting, actually, study. One group was restricted to sleep only 6 hours for 14 nights, while the other group was completely sleep-deprived for 3 nights. At the end of the experiment, group that was sleeping only 6 hours for 2 weeks had the same effect on the overall performance as the group that was sleep-deprived for 2 nights, and that's crazy. Alright, so now that we established that lack of sleep is really, really bad, how much sleep do you really need? Well, there's a consensus that sleeping between seven and a half to eight hours is sufficient. However, to maximize the benefits for strength trainees that are trying to build a lot of muscle and lose fat, I recommend sleeping nine hours. 
Another important note is that sleep requirements increase as your body fat percentage decreases. All right, so the final step, keep lifting heavy weights and still aim for progressive overload. There's a huge misconception out there when it comes to lifting weights and dieting to lose fat at the same time. The myth is that you should mostly focus on maintaining your strength most of the cut and uh, that loss of strength is actually expected. So practically you can forget about progressive overload. The problem with this is that this myth already puts people in a mental state where as soon as they start the cut, their workouts just suck. Now this is what you really can expect. The only two scenarios where gaining strength is not realistic is number one, late stage contest prep where an individual is far below the ideal body fat range, usually between nine and 6%. And number two, elite level lifters. And by elite, I mean benching twice your body weight squatting two and a half times your body weight and then lifting three times your body weight. At this levels, it's almost impossible to develop any progression in a deficit since the trainee is already close to his maximum natural potential anyway. Most people actually never even reach this level. So these two cases do not apply for let's say 98% of the population. During a cut, progressive overload is just as important to preserve muscle mass. Since neurological adaptations are constant, if you're not getting any stronger on a cut, you're most likely losing muscle. This means that it is possible to get stronger without building more muscle if your brain finds more efficient way to activate existing fibers, but on the other hand, it is impossible to get bigger without getting stronger. For beginners and intermediate lifters, just maintaining strength during a cut will not be sufficient as it most likely means that you're losing muscle. As a result, when you lose a lot of fat and go down to let's say 10 to 12% body fat, you lose a lot of muscle as well. And by the way, this is a period that you could have used for building more muscle, even in the deficit. And then you're just not happy with the way you look simply because you're too skinny. You lost a lot of muscle along the way. As for the optimal rep range, on the other hand, this is something that I've discussed in detail in one of my previous podcast episodes, but typically you can choose your rep range anywhere between 4 and 30. Some exercises lend themselves well to lower rep ranges like typically compound exercises, bench press, squats, deadlifts, barbell rows, and overhead presses, while other exercises are impossible to perform correctly with very heavy weight like lateral raises, chest flies, reverse flies, bicep curls, tricep extensions, and leg curls, for example. So you want to go lower to mid-range in terms of compound exercises and mid to high rep on isolation exercises. If you go with this expectation in your cut, setting your mindset correctly and expecting your strength progression will still continue and that you'll train the same way as you do on your bulking period, your workouts will change as well. As a result, you'll build even more muscle during the cut on a well-optimized program. So there it is. That will be all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found some useful information that can help you getting ripped and getting in shape. If you have any questions about this, you can find me at BeFitAndStrongFitness.com. Let me know if there's anything I can clarify for you. Thanks for listening and have a great one, guys. Take care.